Coming up this week, we talk about the Love is Proud anthology, Cycle for the Cause, and Wade Kelly is here as part of the 2016 GRL blog tour. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 43 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. How are you today, sir? I'm good, thanks. Good to hear. End of July, 1st of August. Yes. How is it August already? I'm stunned. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the year's gone. I know. I don't know. Crazy town. I have no answers for you. You have no answers. <laughs> Time goes on. <laughs> There's lots to talk about this week, though. Mm-hmm. We're going to be jibber-jabbering a whole big bunch. That's right. We are. We haven't gotten to jibber-jabber at you guys in a few weeks, so this episode's all about us, primarily. Uh Although we do get to talk to Wade, and that's always a good time, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to say that the Love is Proud anthology came out uh, at the end of the month. It's in paperback and ebook. It's actually an oversized ebook because there's... You mean paperback. Thank you, yes. An oversized... <laughs> ebooks don't really go oversized, do they? Nope. It's they an oversized paperback. Any size they want. <laughs> it's an oversized paperback, yes. uh, because there are so many stories in there. 39 yeah. authors from JMS Books contributed either short stories or poems for this anthology. Um, all the proceeds go to Equality Florida to benefit the victims and their families of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, my particular contribution here was a new hat trick short story that uh, picks up with Simon and Alex and the gang from the Rainbow High hockey team who are featured in Hat Trick 3. And actually this story kind of sits between the last chapter of that book and the prologue, or the epilogue, rather, of that book. And it's standalone enough. If you've never read Hat Trick, you can read that and have a, and take in the story that way. Or if you've read the story, you'll even have more background on these characters. Uh, there are links in the show notes to JMS Books where you can pick up either the ebook or the paperback. And in this case, I really encourage you to purchase from JMS Books to ensure that the maximum amount of proceeds land in Equality uh, Florida's funds, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to go to a third party like Amazon or Kobo or whoever. Usually I don't care where you buy your books from, but in this case, I think if you can buy from JMS Books, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, some other writing news. Uh, I did the first chapter of Winger 2 this week. Ooh, I don't know where you did that, but that was interesting and different. Uh, okay, I yeah, I have no explanation for that. It's um, okay if I do. So, if, if so I, you wrote the first chapter. If I, you say I, you're not. Gonna, if we do a book trailer, I'm so taking that little bit from you because it's captured for all time on the audio. Lord have mercy. Um, I did write the first chapter. Uh, I'm not actually due to write this book until first of next year. Mm-hmm. But Harmony Inc. wants to put the first chapter of book two in book one. And since when I presented all this to Harmony, I already knew the overall plots for the four books that I had in mind. Uh, it was it was, it was was easy enough to do the first chapter of the second book now uh, because I kind of knew where the setups had to be there. So I banged that out. I'm actually going to share it with my writing group, um, get it put into shape and get that off to Harmony so they can have that while they're doing edits on book one and just do it all as a package. Mm -hmm. Speaking of edits, opened my inbox this morning and there were edits from Love's (laughs) Opening Night just 
hanging out, ready for me to look at. Um, I was kind of happy to see it's mostly line edits. You know, you never know when you send a story in. You've made it the best you can make it, and then you don't really know what's going to come back mm -hmm. from somebody who's approaching it with fresh eyes. Uh, got some really nice comments back on the story in general, and have a lot of line edits to do. But nothing that made me go, oh my god, what is this? So, I was not, like, crazy, with, you know, with, like, overwhelmed. Angst. No angst. Writer on we. No writer on we. Yeah. Good. Just so, so good stuff to learn from the comments that I've read. That's good. Because I've, I've perused all of them so far. So, yeah, I'm pleased. Yeah. And I'll work on that this coming week so I can get it back to them. Okay. You can talk now. No, I really can't because the next thing on our list is something only you know about. Well, I've told you about it, but fine, I'll do it. So, <laughs> we're always looking for new ways to get the podcast out to folks. And the the place we do our syndication at offered up a new channel for iHeartRadio, uh, which was kind of awesome. So, apparently, iHeartRadio has a whole podcast distribution channel through their uh, app and network online. So, now we're part of iHeartRadio. So, if you subscribe to iHeartRadio, and you can go into the podcast area and... Stream us and subscribe to us from there. If that's your one of your preferred methods to get entertainment, fancy indeed. So there's a we'll we'll have a link direct to um, our page on iHeartRadio in the show notes for those who are interested. Yeah, so find us on iHeartRadio or your preferred podcast distribution channel, or uh, YouTube, or YouTube, uh, and subscribe to us on all of those. Yeah, that way you get our mellifluous dulcet tones. Automatically delivered to the device of your choice every single week. That's right. Every Monday. Boom. There we are. Right in your, right your feed. Amazing. Indeed. Technology is wonderful. It is. <laughs> um, so, uh, 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 I don't know. I can't come up with a segue. Next on our agenda, we wanted to ask you to uh, like us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page for the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Uh, just look us up, Big A Fiction Podcast. We have all the news that's fit to read about uh, fiction and books and upcoming stuff on the podcast. I post pictures of cute guys reading. It's just too, way too much fun. <laughs> and we're also <laughs> trying to come up with ways to sell it. Sell it. <laughs> well, if nothing else, the hot guys you post should be reason enough. To, to check it out. Yes. We're also do. starting to uh, play with Facebook Live a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, while we were doing the intros to the show, we actually did some Facebook Live, showed people around our little makeshift studio, such as it is, and let them watch as we did the, the opening bumper to the show. Uh, and we're looking at doing some Facebook Live when we're at GRL. Uh, we're also... Very likely to go to uh, the Northwest Meetup mm -hmm. in September, yes. where we might do some live, and it's possible that I might do some live either Tuesday or Wednesday evening this week, maybe. Depends, but maybe. Because <laughs> I'm going to actually go to the Ripped Bodice Bookstore while I'm in L.A. this week, because I, I feel the urge to check that out. Yeah. And you never know. Might have a Facebook Live moment relishing in all of the LGBT books that are in that store. Yeah. So, please check us out at facebook.com forward slash big K fiction podcast. 
Whatever. That's it. That's it. Your that's, boob. that's the address. Yeah. So check us out. Facebook.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Give us a thumbs up and Give a like. Give us a like. And if you're inclined, <laughs> you can even tweak your settings so that you can make sure that the Big Gay Fiction Podcast news is at the top of your news feed when we publish something new. So yes. if you're a super fan, click that, and who click that thing. wouldn't be? Well, if only for who? your for your hot guy pictures, who it would be so be worth it. a super it. fan? Okay. So back, swinging back to the serious. <laughs> Um, so for the sixth year coming up in September, I'm going to be going back east to do Cycle for the Cause, uh, which is the Northeast AIDS ride. Uh, the monies made from that actually benefit the HIV AIDS services at the LGBT Center in New York City. Uh, I got into this because I met someone who was doing the ride and they sold me on the idea that riding a bike for 280 miles between Boston and New York was the best idea ever. <laughs> and it really is. The three years that I actually rode the bike and did the miles, or did as many as I could, because there was some back... The first year was super rough. Second and third year, much better. Uh, I half rode last year, and that was kind of a disaster of my own making. Um, but I've been back twice to crew, and this will be this will actually be my third time, or second and a half, technically, to crew uh, the ride, because I can't justify taking the bike back for that amount of money cost a lot of money to ship it back across the country, in case you did not know. Mm-hmm. Um, over the six years I've done the ride, I've raised over $20,000 for the cause. And each year, this cause raises hundreds of thousands of dollars between corporate donations and donations from folks like you who are listening. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you could perhaps make a donation this year uh, to support this cause. Uh, you could get all the details on the ride at cycleforthecause.org. And I will have a link to my specific donation page in the show notes because its URL is a little too clunky to read on the air. <laughs> okay. Um, if you can donate, that would be awesome. I would so much appreciate it. Uh, as with the cause, all the money immediately goes towards uh, helping these folks. They don't have to wait until September for the ride to end to start using it. If you donate $5, that $5 goes to work almost immediately uh, to help out the folks who need those services in New York City. So please think about donating, and I would be so much appreciative if you could. Cool. Great thing. Yes. I'm glad that you're doing it. I am too. Yeah. Should be a good thing. Um, earlier this week, we talked to a um, rather special guest. Uh, we recorded an interview for an upcoming episode of the show. We were very lucky to get the chance to talk to... One of uh, our favorite people, Joanna Penn. Yes. Joanna Penn is a fiction author. She writes thrillers under the name J.F. Penn. She also writes nonfiction uh, under her own name, Joanna Penn. Uh, She also has a podcast, The Creative Penn Podcast, uh, which we've been listening to for quite some time. And Joanna is just amazing she's funny she's sweet she's incredibly smart and really savvy when it comes to the business of uh independent publishing and uh we got to talk to her about her latest book the author mindset book Mm -hmm. what's the is it what's it called officially the successful author mindset successful author mindset okay yeah that's the title of her new book uh which we've both read Mm -hmm. we both love and think it's amazing Mm -hmm. uh we got to talk to her about the mindset book we got to talk to her about some uh author things uh some business stuff some business stuff because one of her former books was uh around being the author entrepreneur yes yeah uh and that was the book 
that really kind of turned the corner for me from turning writing from a hobby into something that I now consider to be a business. Mm-hmm. Um, not my not my full time job. It's a long way from being my full time job, but there's a business around it. Yeah. Um, this podcast is part of the business yeah. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say, we've had at this point more than fifty guests that we've talked to for the show. Joanna freaked me out. I, I mean, it was hard not to be a total not, not, fanboy. Not she, no, her, her, uh, she did not specifically do anything to freak you out. You were just freaked out. Oh my god, a Joanna Penn on my po- on my screen right now, talking to me. <laughs> Joanna was charming, she was. and informative as she always is. She was not scary at all, but the fact that I was going to interview Joanna Penn was scary yeah, for me. It's a big deal. To make sure so. that you know we had we were prepared, we had the right questions. Um and it was pretty awesome. I I hope that the authors who are in our audience are able to get some good stuff out of that. Some value, yes. Because um, we've certainly seen on Facebook lately where there are some authors who are perhaps not feeling as excited as, as they once were, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, as they as they get through their author journey. For the readers in the audience, I also think it's an interesting kind of peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's <clears throat> something in everything that she says around positive mindset that even if you're not an author, you you can get something out of it if you if you spend the time with us yeah. to listen to it. So those are going to unroll over two episodes uh, because we really had we had a great hour long discussion with her, and uh, that'll be next week and the week after August eighth and August fifteenth. Cool, something to look forward to. Absolutely. Time now for the GRL guest author spotlight. We're happy to welcome Wade Kelly back to the podcast. This time as part of the official 2016 GRL blog tour. Wade lives and writes in conservative small-town America on the East Coast, where it's not easy to live free and open in one's beliefs. She writes passionately about controversial issues and strives to make a difference by making people think. When not writing, she's thinking about writing, and more than likely scribbling ideas on sticky notes in the car while playing taxi driver for her children. She likes snakes, can't spell, and has a tendency to make people cry. That is so true. (laughs) Thanks for being back with us, Wade. Hey, how are you? Anytime. I have cried in more than one Wade Kelly book. (laughs) I try. Even the happy scenes sometimes make people cry, so that's good. (laughs) That's very true, yeah. I've been on both sides of that that fence. So your third book in the Jock series, Back Off, That's My Jock, is coming out August 26th. Tell us what the gang is up to in that book. More soccer. <laughs> it pretty much, it starts the day um, Jock 2 ends. So it's, it continues in the same um, season of soccer. Uh, I said it like last fall. So uh, some people were confused when they saw October 14th because they thought that's when it was coming out. And I said, no, that's the day that it starts. So there are dates in the book which hopefully help people follow the time frame. So we have Chris and Alonzo that meet in the beginning of the soccer season. And Jack 3 picks up with Doug in the same soccer season, right as their, I guess, regular college soccer season is ending on into playoffs and stuff like that. Because they are going to a D3 college. So it's... so what, did, what, what, what goes on with Doug? Because we know from book two that he was, you know, going through some issues. 
Doug has a lot of issues. Um, I have the when when you're um, when this interview comes out, it'll be right after, like maybe four or five days after my cover reveal with Caraway Carter. And in that, I talk a little bit about the cover being red, so not giving away anything there. Um, I wanted to have an angry kind of feel to it, so that's why it's red, because Doug has a lot of anger issues. Um, he was very confused over his attraction, um, was kind of, hey, maybe I like my best friend, and that didn't work out so well. And so when he goes into this one, it's just... It's, it's a struggle over sexuality because he doesn't understand himself. And even though there have been little hints of attraction to guys in the past, he's kind of discounted it as jealousy over Chris having this hot kind of scruff on his face that he couldn't grow at the time. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of guys, I think, have envy of other people's bodies, whether they have more muscles or, or whatever. So I think at the time he was, like, envious of his facial hair that he couldn't grow. And so now when he's in college and he's confused over Chris, I'm confusing myself here. This is typical talking to me. Um, So the book is basically Doug trying to figure out his sexuality. And it starts with his attraction to Sam because he thought Sam was a girl and Sam's not. And then he was just like thrown off kilter again. So he has to re- evaluate his attraction um, because we learn in the first chapter Sam is on the soccer team. So how do you avoid your attraction to another jock who's around you every day? Practice, sweating, in the locker room, you know, things like that. (laughs) You're like, oh gosh. (laughs) So is that what you wanted to know? I forgot the question. Yeah, you, you covered it. And <laughs> full disclosure to the audience, I've read this book a while ago because I was one of your betas on it. I thought you, you really dug into some timely issues here of, of discovering your sexuality and where you fall on the scale, too. Oh, good. <laughs> I like hearing the opinion of men because, you know, I'm not a man, so it doesn't necessarily mean that I know how somebody thinks. I just try to think of it as a human experience mm-hmm. and well, what if. So it's, I'm really glad that you liked it. And <laughs> When you wrote My Roommate to Jock, did yes. you see this as a series and that it would grow to kind of explore so many issues or have you just kind of like through the course of, of just kind of evolution of, of things? It's evolution. Um, at the time, way back when I wrote jo- the first Jock book, I uh, I wasn't thinking of anything. I tried to make it a complete story, beginning to end. You know, it's about Cole Nellis. So I, I also wasn't really thinking about a, a career, per se. I was messed up emotionally to begin with, and I was writing kind of depressing stuff. And when I wrote When Love Is Not Enough and The Cost of Loving, I needed a break from hard, deep issues. Although I think Jock, the first one also covers some deep issues. It's just done in a lighthearted, funny tor- sort of way. And I hadn't written anything funny. So when I wrote that, it just kind of fell out. And then, I mean, I, I had the tendency to take a year to write a book. So Jock was like three months or something, four months. It wasn't very long. 
And then the next one I wrote was um, Names Can Never Hurt Me, and that took 12 months. And Misplaced Affection took 14 months. So my, my trend was just slow writing. And, I mean, all the Misplaced Affection was such a long book. Um, it probably could have been split into two, but I didn't, I didn't want to. That's sort of why I self-published it. I wanted to keep it one book, even though it's 138,000 words. So I like the artistic, um, I don't know, uh, what, I, what I was able to do because I self-published it. But then um, after I wrote that, I wrote Jock 2, and I was thinking, well, the first Jock was three years prior. So technically, three years have gone by. What is Ellis and Cole doing now, and how do I fit things together? And it actually made it a lot easier for Jock 2 because I didn't have to continue with the story of Ellis and Cole. They could be in it. I wanted them to be in it. Um, and so making Ellis the soccer coach at McDaniel was perfect. So he could have a peripheral role, and you could see um, Ellis and Cole growing up and becoming adults and having adult issues and adult adulting sucks. So, you know, yeah, see, it does. So they're having this, this rough time, but introducing a new character in Chris gave me the ability to write a whole new story. So, um, and originally when I was writing Jack 2, Doug wasn't supposed to fall in love with a boy who kind of looked like a girl at the time you met him. It was supposed to be something totally different. So I had to change some sections of Jock 2 late in the editing process and I had to apologize to my editors. I'm so sorry. I'm fixing the timeline um, because I was changing Doug's character. Um, I wanted to hit on other LGBT issues with Sam's character but sometimes you have to understand things are too difficult and let them go. You don't want to overcomplicate things because if I'm, I'm confused confused by the complication, readers are going to be confused too. So sometimes simpling things up is better. So I simpled it up. So hopefully it's not a completely stupid idea that um, he was dressed like a girl at this party, but that's what I came up with. So when we move into Jack 3, Doug is confused over it and, and angry at himself, I think, for what, what he assumed and how he treated Sam, and then now Sam's on the soccer team, and it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I hope that makes sense. So I'm just trying to write faster, I guess. Not really write faster, but more consistent, although I cannot say I've done that this year. But last year I was very consistent. <laughs> and you've got a jock four in the works already. Yes, I'm trying. See, now along with the whole fact that I just said when I wrote jock two, it was really easy. And Jack 3 kind of goes along with it. It's like the same soccer season. It's the same players. And I, I think Jack 3 is my favorite because it involves everyone. And you get all the old players as, long as, as well as the new ones. And I think that makes it a lot of fun. But on the other side, Jack 4 is very difficult because it's Rob's book. And I have to go back to Rob, uh, Jack 1 and talk about Bob and how he's changed in the last several years. And for anyone who has read the one in between, um, Oh Crap, This Jock's Getting Married, 
I give you this little snippet of Russell leaving and going to Japan and um, it leaves Rob in this turmoil of losing a friendship that he's had his whole life and he is clinging to Ellis. So you barely see him in Jack 2. He does show up at Ellis and Cole's house. Um, but that was to set up for the fact that he's going to be around in Jack 4. So I'm having a hard time because Jack 4 has to, I guess I'm putting pressure on myself because I want it to be amazing. But I don't know. Jack 3 is amazing to me. I love it. So Jack 4 is, is hard because I want to capture all that fun in Jack 1, but also go through a lot of the emotional problems that Rob is having because he is stated in the book as a Christian. He goes to church. He reads his Bible all the time. He has this great religious just thing around him as his character. So how do you take the religion and settle it in your heart if you have an attraction to another man? So I'm not fully sure how I'm going to do this with Rob, but I do write gay romance, so at some point I have to make Rob gay and justify that. and Or at least, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this book is still in the works. I'm not <laughs> sure what to do with it. It's just a mess. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that jock fans are going to look forward to it. I know I am. So. Well, Will Parkinson is really, I mean, he's like in spirit ho hovering over my head write that book. <laughs> so <laughs> I think of him and I'm like, I want him to be really good because I want him to really like it. <laughs> and I think it's funny because I've only met Will once and it was years and years ago and he was really quiet and that, and I was really quiet that year too. So it's not like we really even got to talk, but online I think of him. <laughs> he's the, he's your patron saint of the jock books telling you to write that book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Among others, there are definitely more people that are looking forward to the fourth Jock book too. <laughs> but I always think of Will, so it's it's funny. Now you also but hopefully Jock three will keep everybody sated or whatever until then because it's got a lot of stuff going on and a lot of characters and Rob plays a huge role in friendship with Doug and I hope that shows a different side of him or I don't know. Now, you also had Banker's Hours come out this year. Tell us briefly about that book for people who may have missed it. Um, Banker's Hours was also like one of those times where I needed a break, and it wasn't a break from writing tough stuff and I needed something funny. It was more like I was writing uh, Jack 2, and then I wrote Jack 3, and I wanted something lighter. And Oh, no, actually, I wrote that in between Jack 2 and 3. Maybe I just needed a break from Jack 2. I don't know. But I, you know, sometimes you need just a break from something that you've been in your mind for a while. So I wrote Banker's Hours over the summer last year. And I got the idea because I was at my bank and this really cute guy worked at the bank. And I just thought, oh my gosh, he's, he's a character. I could write a book about him falling for a hot biker dude. <laughs> so it was just, um, I was thinking of a biker, like, leather jackets and kind of thing, but it ended up Tristan was a um, auto mechanic, but still muscles and sweat, a lot different than the prim and proper banker with his dress shirts and ties, you know, just something 
polar opposite kind of thing, I guess. So it, it's fun. It's about a banker who falls for an auto mechanic and just things that ensue. And I think it's fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Although I don't know that I don't know. I, I guess people are, are reading it. It's just that not as many people rate books on Goodreads sometimes, and that one's my lowest rated book. So I don't know. So what are you looking forward to in Kansas City this year? Um, see new people. There are a ton of people, especially like on the um, Facebook group. There is a lot of people in that group that I don't know. Um, so that's kind of fun. I like to meet new people. I like to make new readers. Um, this is the first time like when I look at the author list, I know probably 90% of them, which is amazing to me. Going back four years or whatever, when my first URL, I knew no one. And now I recognize names. I've talked to them. I know their face. And I think that's really exciting. So I know a lot of the authors already. But knowing, I, I like to know the readers too. I think it's fun to see people that you see every year at GRL, but also fun to meet new people that you never know who's going to be your next best friend, so to say. I, mean, I met Kayla Cooley at RT two, two years ago. And we get along so good. I mean, now she's my roommate, so we obviously get along if we're going to room together. But I had no idea when she stopped at my table and said, oh, you're on my list. I need your signature. I didn't know that would be an amazing friendship. But So I encourage all the new people that are going to GRL, talk to people. You don't know who you're going to meet. Um, especially, I'm pretty open now, and I'll talk to anybody so don't be afraid to come up to me. <laughs> but um, there's also a guy that is friends of mine on Goodreads. And we don't talk a lot or anything, but he's read all my books. And he will, I think, 99% sure he's supposed to be at GRL. So, Maddie, I am looking forward to meeting him because I love meeting fans that I've known online for a long time. But, you know, meeting in person is just so cool. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very so, true. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and what's what are you looking forward to? Um, <laughs> pretty much everything you said. Catching up with people that we only get to see once a year, uh, and and meeting the readers. Uh, it's such a blast yeah. to. I love it. <laughs> to meet them and and to talk with them for a little bit and you know find out what what they're reading, whether it's my books or not. Like, what are you reading? What's exciting you? That kind of stuff. You know, I love getting book recommendations back. I always come back from GRL with a ton of stuff. On my, yeah. on my to read list. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so, what's the best way for everyone to keep up with you online? Um, I'm on Facebook mostly. Uh, I remember that account the most. Twitter, I often go, oh, yeah, I have a Twitter account. I should tweet something, and then I don't know what to tweet because we all know I cannot keep you know, like things into 140 characters. So, Twitter is difficult, but I am on Twitter, Twitter uh, Writer Wade Kelly. I'm on Facebook, Writer Wade Kelly. Um, I have a an author page that you can like on Facebook as well as one that you can uh, friend me as. I have an Instagram, either Writer Wade Kelly or Wade Kelly, I forget. And I have a Pinterest account and I have a blog, um, Writer Wade Kelly at blogspot.com that I'm not consistent at and that is the biggest thing that I wish I could change and I need to change is to be more consistent 
and blogging. And my website is www.writerwadekelly.com. So we'll link up to all your websites in the okay. show notes. And Wade, thank you so much for being with us. It was awesome to talk to you. You can follow the GRL blog tour by going to gayromlit.com slash 2016 blog tour. So as always, it was it was great to have Wade with us mm-hmm. um, and talking about her books. Now, Wade mentioned in the interview that her cover reveal happened with Caraway Carter. Uh, we've got a link to that, which happens on carawaycarter.com. The specific link is in the show notes, so you can check that out. Another link in the show notes will be to Wade's site where the entire Back Off That's My Jock blog tour schedule is listed. That will kick into full gear on August 17th because our show and the Caraway Carter stop are just some of the some of the, the pre-events, if you will. Fancy. Indeed. It's a fancy blog tour. <laughs> now, she's doing a giveaway with this blog tour, which we are part of. She's got an epic grand prize put out for this. Uh a lot of people know, if you know Wade, you know she makes spoons that she has at GRL and and uh, all the events that she goes to. Mm-hmm. So you'll have the chance to win one of her fancy handmade spoons. Cool. Uh, a signed paperback from her backlist, which will not include Jock 3, but any other book in the backlist besides that one. An ebook of Jock 4 when it comes out, which will probably be later this year or into next year. Uh, a promo code for an audiobook of your choice. And a soccer jersey for the player of your choice uh, from Jock 3. Because, cool. uh, yeah, she's making jerseys, and if you haven't seen the logo she's got planned, it's pretty snazzy. They're cute. They're super cute. They're super cute, and I, I kind of want one. <laughs> but I won't enter the blog tour, because that would be mean. No, no. To enter, just leave a comment on the show notes page for episode 43 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. You'll need to leave a comment on 10 out of the 12 blog tour stops. So mark your calendar so that you hit the next stop on August 17th. Absolutely. Now, we've been doing a lot of giveaways here lately, and our B- our GRL blog tour giveaway is still going on. Mm-hmm. We're giving away that 7-inch Fire tablet loaded with books from many of the authors that we're hosting on the GRL tour. And in addition, I'm adding some of my ebooks in, and the good folks at Wild City Press are also giving us books for the authors of theirs who are attending GRL. Yeah. It's a really, really amazing, great prize. Yes. So... To see this raffle copter and enter, guess where I'm going to send you? You're going to go to episode 43, show notes page at BigAFictionPodcast.com. The big GRL blog tour giveaway. 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 <laughs> the, the big GRL blog tour giveaway. Whew. That's a mouthful. Runs through Sunday, October 23rd. You'll also find a link to all of the participating authors there. Yes. So that's two this week. You're going to leave a comment for Wade, Mm -hmm. and you're going to hit that raffle copter to get some entries in our big GRL blog tour giveaway. (laughs) You can't say it either. I just had to to take a breath to get it out. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Moving on from all the giveaways, uh, do you want to talk about some new TV? Let's do that. Okay. Yes, let's. Let's. Dead of Summer. On Freeform, previously known as ABC Family. Yes. I love this show. It's really interesting. Um, it creeps me the hell out occasionally, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But uh, yeah, I didn't know when we got into this that it was going to kind of unfold the way that it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show takes place at a summer camp. And a lot of the counselors are 
uh, I guess they're slightly in, maybe in college now because they they're not teenagers anymore, really. They've all graduated from high school. Yeah. Most of them are going to be moving on to college after the summer is over. The show takes place in 1989, and it plays on all of the classic sort of uh, late 80s horror tropes, specifically Friday the 13th. And mm -hmm. all of these counselors who uh, grew up going to the camp uh, and are now counselors themselves all have, they've got deep, dark pasts. They have issues. And there's creepy stuff going on at the camp. And there's like uh, a weird history. There was like satanic rituals and murders at the camp before it opened and all sorts of, uh, all sorts of shenanigans. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, a weird, spooky kind of a show. Um, yeah, so far we're really enjoying it mm -hmm. a lot. It freaks you out. Freaks um, me out. Me, not so much, but... <laughs> Nothing freaks him out. I'm the one who will jump and yelp and <laughs> clamp down on his leg or yeah. his arm or whatever. It's adorable. But, uh, good cast, too. Um, the one name that, well, there's two names that people might know. Um, Elizabeth, I'm blanking on the rest of her name. Elizabeth Olsen? No, no. that's not it at all. Elizabeth from Lost. Yeah. Because um, we can't think of her last name, but of course we didn't write that part down. No. Uh, plays the, the lead camp counselor and the woman who reopens the camp. And then there's Zelda Williams, uh, daughter of the late Robin Williams, who actually plays uh, a transgender person in this show. Mm -hmm. uh, which is quite amazing. As we, as we said, it's set in 1989. You've also got, you're going to have to pronounce his last name for me. Um, Mark Indelicato from Ugly Betty. Plays a gay teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I kind of like about this, because, you know, 1989 was not exactly the time to be out. No, it he, wasn't. He is out among his friends, and he is out at camp. Mm -hmm. um, and he has some great scenes uh, with Zelda's character, uh, Drew, in this as well, as they kind of figure each other out. Yeah. Um, it's really a well-crafted show. And I hope that it doesn't fall in on itself as so many... Um, high concept shows tend to do. High concept yeah. mythology shows. It doesn't yeah. seem to be headed that way because it seems to be staying on yeah. not much more than a Friday the 13th kind of thing. So the other thing I'd like to see them do too is wrap up this story at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And either go to another camp or do something different if their show comes back. Because yeah. uh, I figure this can't have more than maybe three or four episodes left. It's hard to say. For the season, because I figure it's ten, and we've seen probably four, five, five by now, maybe. Uh, but check out Dead of Summer. You can see it on Freeform. Uh, check your local listings for it. Or if you need to catch up, it's on Freeform On Demand and on the Freeform app. Mm -hmm. And we'll link to its show site in the show notes so you can track it down. So in honor of Dead of Summer, this week's big GRL blog tour giveaway word of the week is CAMP. Simple C-A-M-P, put that in the raffle copter that's on episode 43 show notes, and you'll get your bonus entries for this week. Uh, we also got to see recently the wrap-up finale for Looking on HBO. Uh, I thought it was a pretty perfect wrap for that series. Uh, and it really makes me sad about where they might have gone in a season three, had it continued. Um, Looking, as some of you may know, had a tumultuous two-season run on HBO, uh, never highly rated, mixed reviews, um, really kind of polarizing in the gay community because you either really loved it or you really kind of didn't. Uh, I kind of had a love-hate with it. 
mostly episode by episode, <laughs> because there were some episodes I just hated, and some particularly as the second season got going that I just loved. Uh, most of the second season I liked a lot. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the movie. Primarily, it takes place uh, a couple of months after the end of season two. Uh, Patrick is returning to San Francisco. Uh, he's been working uh, at some sort of tech game job Techie in thing, yeah. Denver. Or it's Denver. Denver. Yeah. Yes. It's fun. None of the characters in the movie can remember where he works either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Denver Doris works. in particular went through like three or four different cities in <laughs> one like, scene. So what? what? It's all the same. Anyway, so Patrick returns to town, uh, and of course he's his wishy-washy self uh, and wants to have it all, and he tries to make amends with Russell Tovey and the beautifully sweet-hearted... Um, Kevin? Uh... Uh, oh, what's his name? Not Kevin. Yeah, Richie. 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 Thank you, Richie, who has a mobile haircutting van. Oh my God, how cute is that? Richie has a haircutting van. Is that a real thing? Of course, it's San Francisco. Of course, it's a thing. It's got to be a thing. Anyway, so um, people uh, are all have all moved on with their lives, and um, I think the show, the main theme, the thrust of the show was about. Each of the characters coming to terms with where they are in their lives. Specifically, they're all, uh, I assume, in their early 30s now. And they all kind of have to wrap their heads around... Um, adulting. Adulting, essentially, yeah. yes. Um, there are the, the hopes and dreams of their 20s, uh, which, you know, none of those things happened for any of them. Uh, so it's the the movie is sort of about coming to terms with that and being at peace with uh, where you are. Uh, it may not have been where you pictured where you were going, but they all ended up in a really good place. Yeah, yeah, and and kudos to HBO for actually letting it be a movie. Yeah, it was a yeah. I think it's to, it for true. those of us who watched it. It was it was nice to get it wrapped up. Yeah, and it really made me sad for like. The gay programming that doesn't exist anymore. You know, Looking died. You go back years ago, uh, Noah's Ark from Logo was good for two or three seasons and then gone. Uh, Sorted Lives. Um, there's just, everybody says that the programming dies because no one watches it, which it does ultimately. But it's it's sad that we end up with so many quality programs that we can't seem to support appropriately in the community. Please watch Eastsiders. So they'll make more. <laughs> oh, I think Eastsiders is a, a an excellent example of finding alternate forms of distribution. True. Kit Williams has made a quality show, uh, uh, something he obviously believes in very strongly, uh, and he has uh, found a way to make it. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. the second season was part of a Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. He got it distributed online. Now it is streaming on Netflix. Um, so traditional channels, i.e., you know, getting your gay show on network television or even niche cable television, um, hasn't quite worked for uh, most of the uh, creators who want to tell. Uh, gay-specific stories. So uh, I think you have to be smart and savvy uh, and find your audience 
uh, through different means. Yeah, and hopefully Kit, you know, leads the way for the next yeah next wave of content creators. And um, the two guys from Truth Slash Fiction. Hopefully they're Truth gonna... Slash Fiction? Sure, 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 sure. That's another... That's another title that's hard to say. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> Hopefully they can also find some form of distribution uh, mm-hmm. to get that show made and uh, get it out to people who uh, we know would love to see it. We are crazy about that pilot, and uh, hopefully truth slash fiction will uh, become a reality one of these days. Yeah. Okay. Books. Books. Let's talk about some books now. Do you want to start? I'll start. Yay. So I'm becoming such a, a fanboy of MJ O'Shea. I read... Uh, Duke in Hiding, which is Dreams, Fun, Desire number nine. Uh, this Duke, Heath, Heathcliff Blackwood, and that's such a good Duke kind of name, <laughs> uh, ends up uh, hanging out in this rural town in New Hampshire because he's on the run because there have been death threats. And he ends up and meets Barkeep Theo. Uh, initially, these two are very prickly towards each other, but they find a way to become friends and then find a way to become more. And I just love how MJ very slowly builds initially the prickly stuff between them and how it just very naturally evolves. It it never is forced. It's never rushed. It never feels fake. You just feel like these are two guys who are figuring out that their initial impressions of each other were wrong mm-hmm. and that there's just more there. Um, and even you know when Theo makes that inevitable f- discovery as he's being whisked away to England, <laughs> that Heathcliff is more than he appeared to be. Uh, all that felt real to me in how it played out and how Theo was like, "Oh my God, I can't be here." Yeah, um, I'm nodding my head on the video a whole bunch. I've read this as well, and I agree 100 percent with everything you're saying. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. I know MJ has another uh, Dreamspun that's coming. It'll be in our mailbox tomorrow uh-huh. on Monday, according to UPS. Uh, and another new book, Open Road? Yes. That just came out from Dream Spinner uh, at the very end of July. So I'm looking very forward to reading those yeah. um, those two books also. And I know you are, you're pretty much already in the MJ court, and I'm over there with you now, too. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> I also finished um, a, a new book from Christian Baines called Orchard of Flesh, which is book two in his Arcadia Trust series. Uh, I'm not usually one for paranormal urban fantasy. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily go gravitating to get these books either. Uh Uh, But the blurb on this book intrigued me. He actually reached out because he wanted to be on the show, uh, which he will be September 5th, by the way. Um, And there were two books that I could have taken, and I decided to go with Orchard of Flesh, and it was so good. Uh, The way he created his... His world of vampires and werewolves and paranormal creatures uh, was excellent. Nobody sparkles, which is really good in my view. Um, But there are some tweaks to what he does, because everybody who's a paranormal here, uh, it's a genetic thing Mm -hmm. that triggers at some point in your adolescence. Which reminded me a little bit of like the werewolves and vampire diaries um, and how Tyler became a werewolf. Oh, that's true, yeah. You know, later. Yeah, I see that. and the, the feel of this uh, reminded me of two different things. It reminded me kind of like of True Blood, uh, the TV series, because I've never read the books. But True Blood in its like first, second season, before it went off the rails, um, after <laughs> toward, you know as it went on. But also uh, the Blood Ties books of Tanya Huff mm-hmm. and how yeah. those paranormals were treated. Uh, there's a mystery 
thing that Rylan has to go solve. Um, there's a love story in here. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And you don't have to have read book one to get into book two. Because I just picked up and went. Okay. Uh, there's a third book that is coming out probably sometime next year that I can't wait to get my hands on. So please write fast. Um, <laughs> Orchard, of Fa- Orchard of Flesh comes out on August 1st which is the day this podcast drops, directly from Bold Strokes Books, or it'll be out and available August 16th from Amazon. And, of course, MJ's book is available now. I've got uh, reviews of both on jeffandwill.com that I'll link to in the show notes. Cool. Now, you've read also. Uh, I have. We we haven't really talked about any of the Dreamspun Desires for a couple of weeks. We're a little bit behind in our reading of those. Jeff just finished MJ's book. I just... Uh, recently finished Ace in the Hole by Ava Drake. It is number 13 in the Dreamspun Desires line. Um, this one is a uh, hot bodyguard story. Um, it is all about the hot bodyguard named Stone Jackson, and he is protecting a douchey senator, and poor Christian Chatsworth Brandeis uh, is the senator's assistant. Uh, and the uh, douchey senator goes missing, so Stone has to impersonate him. Uh, luckily, Stone looks almost exactly like the senator. Perfect. Um, so here, here's what I was, what I felt after reading Ace in the Hole. I thought the plot itself was pretty ridiculous. Um, this whole impersonating the senator thing was, uh, well, kind of dumb. Uh, and I think from an author standpoint, I was sort of confused by the, the, the shifting tone of the story. Cause you know, on the one hand, you kind of got this ridiculous farcical idea of impersonating the Senator, but you also have this very serious life and death stuff uh, surrounding all of the bodyguard themes. There's like this big helicopter crash at one point in the book and a uh, assassination attempt. Uh, and the senator, um, who you definitely want to get his comeuppance, gets it in a kind of a graphic way that's really kind of icky. So on the one hand, the tonal shifts of the story confused me the the one thing that i was a hundred percent on board with uh as a reader was that the chemistry between stone and christian is like sizzling hot they are a fantastic couple they're true very uh strong intelligent capable men who uh have their you know issues to work through uh and they work through them despite all the shenanigans that are going on in the story and they uh, end up happily ever after. So I really, uh, despite some of the stories, I guess you would call them shortcomings, I really was uh, drawn into the book simply because I thought the characters were so well done. Cool. So, Do I see that it's part of a, a series? It is part of the series. Uh, Stone works for a... Uh, in No, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh like a bodyguard company, a, per- a security agency, personal security agency called Wild Cards Inc. And okay. this is the first book in the Wild Cards series. Nice. So Ace in the Hole by Ava Drake. Okay. Yeah. So one of our favorite seasons is upon us. <gasps> yes. Calendar season. Calendar season. The end of July, beginning of August is officially 
calendar season. It's when all of the calendars for next year are released. Now, you have to understand, in our home, <laughs> there are probably... Too many. Just too, too many. I'm going to say six calendars on the wall. There's one in the Which kitchen. Which isn't that many, really. There's, there's one in the kitchen. <laughs> there's one here in my office that you always see on the video feed. There are two in Will's office. Yes. There are two in the master bathroom. Yeah. Is that six or was that five? I think that was six. There's a lot of calendars going on here. So we have a lot of calendar space to fill each year. <laughs> we have two already for this year. Uh, yes. The first calendar that I have purchased so far for 2017 is the Hot Dudes Reading Calendar. Earlier this year, we showed off the Hot Dudes Reading book. And this is the official calendar. It pulls some of the very best pictures from said book, and now you get to look at them one a month for an entire year. Indeed. Uh, it's going to be really, um, it's really great. Uh, this will most likely become the official office calendar, and it'll be hanging behind us uh, here on the YouTube feed when you watch the yeah. video for each episode. Unless the folks at the Read Naked Project do another one, because that's the Read Naked calendar you guys have been seeing back there all year so far. Also, in addition to Hot Dudes, I have got Rick Day's Castings uh, calendar. Uh, Rick Day is an amazing uh, photographer. Uh, his primary subjects are incredibly beautiful, sporty-looking men. Uh, this is... <laughs> I'm looking on the back. Uh... I am actually not sure what specific book this came from. Maybe those two books. It's a possibility. Um, Rick Day, for the past couple of years, has been doing a calendar based on his book, uh, All Players. Um, most most uh, erotic photographers or um, uh, physique photographers do uh, coffee table books and uh, calendars mm -hmm. of, of those books uh, in order to uh, make more sales and yeah. uh, create different products. Um, this year, I think this uh, calendar called Castings is a combination of uh, different photographs from uh, his All Players book and Pioneers, uh, two different coffee table books. So that one uh, will be definitely getting a place of honor. Uh, some really amazing looking men as I'm looking at the back of it. Indeed. Uh, so those are two slots filled for yeah. the calendars in the 2017 season. We'll put links to those in the show notes so that you can check those out on Amazon. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. So that'll do it for this week. Uh, and the show we got to jibber-jabber through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of jibber-jabber. Uh, coming up next week in episode 43, Hans Hershey will be here as part of the 2016 GRL blog tour. And Joanna Penn will join us for part one of that interview that we spoke about earlier. Yeah, be sure and check it out, guys. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, have a good week. Okay, see you next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Bye.